Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. We uh, did a lot of good things out there. Did, did things we still need to clean up, you know, still a little sloppy in certain areas and, you know, always get better. A couple penalties on offense, a couple MAs that hurt us on some drives offensively. Obviously, turning the ball over is not a good thing offensively. But, you know, defensively, 11 guys running the ball really hard. We, we, uh, I thought we did a really good job stopping the run. Uh, playing great defense, we we created a bunch of turnovers. Still gave up a couple. We had we had you know a couple situations we need to be better at. We had them in some third and longs. Gave a first down, a second and long penalty. Just being aware of your situation. But oh, great win for us, two and zero in the SEC East, which is where you want to be at this point in the season. That was head coach Dan Mullen discussing Florida's 34-3 win over Tennessee on Saturday in the Swamp. And with that victory, the Gators have now beaten Tennessee by 20-plus points in consecutive games for the first time since 2007-2008. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. we got a great show lined up for you today. In the first segment, we're going to bring you my post-game interview with Jeff Cardozo. He and I discussed Saturday's game and what he liked from Kyle Trask. I'll also review my five keys to the game. In the second segment, I'll bring you some exclusive comments from Mullen when he met with a small group of reporters Saturday after leaving the podium. And in the final segment, I got a treat for you guys, an interview with Steve Spurrier. He met with me and a few other reporters Saturday with his 1994 team having their reunion in Gainesville. And he talked to us about that as well as this year's football team and Kyle Trask. But let's kick this thing off with my interview with Jeff. He's a former Gators pitcher and now a UF broadcaster for several sports, including baseball. He's up there in the booth every Saturday with Mick Hubert, and we spoke with Jeff after the Gators beat Tennessee to get his thoughts on the game. Jeff, Kyle Trask gets his first career start, almost 300 yards passing. What you think about number eleven? Yeah, it's my man. I, uh, you know, obviously, I've I've liked him for a really long time. Have a uh, somewhat of a close relationship with him because of a little uh, bit of a man crush. I, I would yeah, say. Yeah, well, I, he interned under me, so I could probably say I taught him everything that he knows. Of course. But no, I just I I think you could sense that he was ready for this, and and you saw that last week to be able to go into Kentucky like that, hostile territory. It just it looked easy for him, and he's he's stepping in the line. He's looking at his reads. He's understanding where he's supposed to go with the ball, and the accuracy is obviously something we saw yeah. ever since he stepped on campus. So I I knew that that would be there, and you know there's still a few things when they blitz him a couple times. You just have to figure that out, make a few things better with the reads, but that all comes with playing time. Yeah. You know, I didn't throw shutouts my, my first time out there. It took two or three games before I started lighting people up. Yeah, we also got to see Emory Jones get involved today. Mm-hmm. What do you think about? his involvement, how Dan Mullen is trying to manage that two-quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you saw it later in the game when Emory came in and they started to get that run game going, and, and they were really trying to do that because obviously Florida hasn't run the ball a ton through these first few weeks. But I, I, you can see his accuracy is, is going to be there too and his decision-making, but I think it's a nice little two-headed monster. And, and yeah. I would probably say that Kyle solidified himself as the guy to get out there all the time, especially when you look at you know the, the most yards Felipe ever threw for was 282. Yeah. And then Kyle throws 293 today. First game. First game really going out there. And, you know, it's, this is really interesting, too, and, and I'm not sure many people know it, but so Florida's now three straight games where they've thrown for over 300 yards combined yeah. in the passing game. Last time that happened was when Tebow was around. That's how long it's been 
for Florida fans to see this kind of production in the passing game on the field. So it's uh, it's certainly good to see. And now you, you complement that run game with a few other things. And obviously this team can be pretty scary, especially if that defense is flying around. Yeah, that was the last thing before we let you go. 20 sacks now on the season. What yeah. do you think about Ty Grantham's unit? Yeah, it's just, you know, to, to have John Grenard come in here, <laughs> that impact that he's made. And, and it wasn't, you, you get the sacks today, but how about the three or four pass deflections that he yeah. had? And Jeremiah Moon's doing his thing. Amari Bernie's flying all over the place. And we know how good David Reese is. So uh, it's, it's a special group, and, and Sean Davis almost gets to the quarterback on a blitz and they complete a pass, but it just it shows you some of the things that he can do. And, you know, I think you still hope that they can not give up all these third and 20s and third and 40s and all these things that they're doing, but they'll, they'll clean that up. Um, but it's, it's a really good sign. Offensive line, I thought, played better today. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it was positive. Certainly to, to hold a team to only three is uh, not too shabby. Well, Florida fans, we gave you a treat. And make sure that you tune in to HBO Sports for the special on the Florida Gators because if you're watching, you might see this big, tall guy, redhead, Giving dap to Coach Mullen in the locker room. They, well, they might bleep it out because then the ratings would like fly off the charts, and you know, so it might like blur my face out. But either way, it's uh, it's cool to be around. It was fun. Yes, thanks for joining us, bud. All right, thanks, Zach. Good stuff there from Jeff. I want to review our five keys to the game real quick before we get this first break. Number one was protecting Kyle Trask, and I thought Florida's offensive line did a good job of that for the most part. He was sacked twice in this game. But I thought in both of those situations, the offensive line gave him plenty of time. And he was just holding the ball a little bit too long to make the play. And that's, in fact, what Mullen said happened on the sack fumble. And sometimes he has to learn that when the play is just not there, he's got to burn it. He did throw the ball away on some other plays. But there were times when Trash had all day to throw in the pocket, and he made the most of it, throwing for nearly 300 yards against the Volunteers. The second key for the Gators was to get the ground game going. This did not work out well in the first half. At times, I thought the offensive line had trouble opening holes, but there were other plays where I felt like they were there, and LaMichael Piron just didn't hit them like he should. I think he's still learning to trust his new offensive line. you got to remember this is a brand new group that he's running behind, and I think that that process takes time. But after just 57 rushing yards through three quarters, the Gators were able to get it going in the fourth. On their first drive of that quarter, once they got into Tennessee territory, the offense ripped off three consecutive runs of over 10 yards, and then Damian Pierce finished off the possession with the 10-yard touchdown run. That was the best that they looked on the ground all day. And I think they might have found a formula there with Jones at quarterback, which brings us to our third key of the game, how Jones was going to be used. Dan Mullen said that he was going to play him against Tennessee. He got him in the game on the second series, and you saw him throughout the day Saturday. And it was a mixed bag of results on the second series. He was in when Malik Davis fumbled along the sidelines. Fortunately for Florida, they ruled the Tennessee player out of bounds. Then later on in the first half, after the Gators had built some offensive momentum with Kyle Trask, Dan Mullen decided to put Jones in the game, and they went three and out. Trask was able to come back in and lead the Gators on a touchdown drive before the half. But then Emory came in in the fourth quarter and had some success. He was under center running that zone read when the Gators had those long runs in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the defense is more on their heels when he is in the game. And that could be Florida's recipe for success moving forward on the ground. The fourth key to this game was who was going to step up for Jabari Zuniga. He missed the game as expected along with C.J. Henderson. And what happened was Greenard started at end. Jeremiah Moon got the start at Buck. And the Gators kind of made it work like that. They had their star package with their two linebackers on the field. And that was a lineup that worked really well for them against Tennessee. 
Greenard had a monster day against the Volunteers. And of all the numbers he had Saturday, which we'll talk about in the second segment, how about his three pass deflections, getting his hands up and disrupting the timing in the passing game? He and Moon were just beasts off the edge. And while the Gators missed Zuniga's pass rush on Saturday, they still got plenty of pressure on the Vols quarterbacks. And the final key to the game was getting turnovers. The Gators were able to check that box. They come up with four in this game. And shout out to Amari Bernie. He gets his first career pick and also recovers a fumble. Marco Wilson also gets his first career pick. And the first one of the game belonged to Trey Dean III. He made an interception in the end zone coming off the turnover Trask had on the sack fumble. So that was a huge play in the game for Florida to not allow Tennessee to score in the red zone. When we come back from this first break, we're going to grade the Gators and play you some post-game comments from Dan Mullen. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. And now we're going to take our report card out and grade the Gators. And we're going to start with the quarterback position in Kyle Trask. I give him a B-plus performance for his first career start. Traz throws for 293 yards on 20 of 28 passing, has two touchdowns, two interceptions. He also had a first down run on Florida's opening drive and the sack fumble on the second possession. The three turnovers are the only reason that he doesn't have an A. For his first time making a start in the swamp, he was really impressive. Threw for more yards than Felipe Franks ever has in his career and showed the ability to go through his progressions, make the reads, and deliver his throws. I mentioned there were some plays where he held the ball too long, but this is the guy who wants to stand in the pocket and find his open receivers. Florida tight end Kyle Pitts told me after the game that Trask is the best pocket passer he's ever seen, and he's only going to get better from here, as is Emory Jones. He finished 4 for 6 for 20 yards. We mentioned the ground game earlier. I give that performance a B-. Florida finishes with 128 yards on 37 carries. That's 3.5 yards a rush. LeMichael Piran did better than that. He averaged 4.4, going for 62 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown. Pierce had 39 yards on 11 carries with a touchdown. And Malik Davis, six touches for 20 yards. So both Pierce and Davis under four yards a carry. That average has to get better, but so does UF's run blocking. Now, the one thing that could help Florida here is the usage of Emory Jones and the threat that he brings in the run game when he checks in at quarterback. I think you're going to see Mullen continue to use him more moving forward. you got to give an A performance to the wide receivers and tight ends. Ten different guys caught passes for the Gators, led by Kyle Pitts and Van Jefferson. Both of those guys had four catches. And it looks like a Kyle-to-Kyle connection is brewing between Pitts and Trask. After they hooked up for a 30-yard passing play on the game-winning drive at Kentucky, Trask threw four passes to him against Kentucky for 62 yards. And Pitts told me the two of them have a connection on the field that dates back to the summertime when they were putting in late nights trying to get ready for the season. Freddie Swain made three catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Cleveland also had three grabs for 43 yards. Malik Davis made three catches for 17 yards. Trevon Grimes caught two balls for 60 yards, including a 43-yarder on Trask's first pass. Jacob Copeland got involved in the offense, two catches for 22 yards. But he had the big one down the sideline that he dropped. He catches that. Trask would have had a 300-yard game. I give the offensive line a B grade, and it's kind of felt like that every week. It usually looks to me like they bring their A game with their pass protection, and they're just average with their run blocking. Now, I did mention that sometimes I feel like they open the hole for P. Ryan, and he's not seeing it, but I expect the chemistry between him and his O-line to improve as the season goes along. But they did a really good job of giving Trask time in the pocket and keeping him on his feet. Again, 
Those two times that he was sacked in the game were really on him. And for the second straight home game, another A performance across the board for Florida's defense. They hold Tennessee to just three points. That is the lowest scoring output for the Vols in this rivalry since 1994 when Steve Spurrier's number one ranked Gators beat Tennessee 31 to nothing in Knoxville. That's how long it's been since a Florida defense dominated Tennessee in this fashion. Jonathan Greenard had a monster game, four solo tackles, two for a loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and three pass breakups. That, folks, is an impact transfer. Jeremiah Moon also had four tackles and a sack. Luke Ankrum got in there on a sack, as did freshman Chris Bogle. And TJ Slayton showed up again, making two tackles on the defensive line. At linebacker, a big day for Amari Bernie. He gets his first career pick. Also recovers a fumble, finishes with five solo tackles. David Reese, Florida starting middle linebacker, also makes five tackles. And shout out to LeCedric Brunson. He continues to make plays at Florida's linebacker position. Had five tackles against Tennessee on Saturday. And in the secondary, no C.J. Henderson, no problem. The Gators made life hell for Tennessee's quarterbacks. Garantano throws two picks in the first half, gets benched at halftime. Tennessee turns to a true freshman quarterback. He comes out on the first possession of the third quarter, leads the Vols to their only scoring drive of the game, but then he eventually throws a pick, finishes 4 of 11 for 44 yards, and Garantano has to come back into the game. And again, props to Marco Wilson for being responsible for two of those interceptions. And Florida kicker Evan McPherson made both of his field goal attempts. He is now 22 of 25 for his career. After Dan Mullen left the podium Saturday, he met with a small group of reporters to talk about the win over Tennessee. Here was that post-game interview with me and a few other reporters. Well, I, I think part of that is your comfort with understanding the offense and the reads. You know what I mean? You're, you're not going to hang in the pocket if you're confused. Does that make sense? You're not going to do that. You're hanging in the pocket because you know, okay, I got this read, this read. I'm going my third round. I'm waiting for it to come, waiting for it to come. You know, but then you that's that's where I think it also as it grows to decide when to you know, say, hey, enough's enough, and just let's play the next play. We're not, this ain't going to work for us this one. So then he'll, that'll, he'll grow and learn with that. Coach, you guys come out in the fourth quarter after just 57 yards through the first three, and then Damian Pierce rips off three consecutive first down runs and then the 10-yard touchdown run. What was working with him and Henry in the uh, they, Well, just the, the fact, like I said, defensively allowed us to stick with the running game. You know, and we were able to continue to do it. The lead helped. And, uh, you know, for those guys, I mean, not that offensive line, I thought they've done a real pretty pretty decent job of pass protection, which sometimes it's the opposite. You know, we run the ball at first. They've done a good job with that stuff. But, uh, you know, they got to continue to grow. and got young guys in there, and they're, they're growing. They're learning, getting comfortable with things that are going. You know, a lot of times you're going against a different look. You know, every week you're getting a different look and different run schemes. And the adjustment to that is – is where they, they we need to continue to grow. And, and if we play great defense, it allows us to be patient with that. Is your running game better with Emory in there because of his because of his strength? Uh, oh, I don't know about that, but I think people make him make a, you know, they, psychologically maybe because they're a little nervous he might take off for other people. But, I, you know, we're still running. We didn't run. We, there were, I think one play call in the game was different with him in there. We ran one play with him that we didn't run with Kyle. Everything else we ran the exact same plays. You know, I, I love running the ball, but, hey, the, it, the benefit, if the run's good, game's going to take some time, it's a good thing we have some really good receivers. <laughs> like I said, everybody's gotten a lot of reps. He's gotten a lot of practice at it. They, you know, and, uh, and it's not like, hey, we're only running these plays with Emory and these with Kyle. They both run the same plays, so he gets to look at the reads. Uh, I think it is different, though, sometimes because, uh, you know, I, I think early they were saying on some of the zone reads, they were going to have Kyle run the ball. Right? 
I don't know if that's the case when Emory comes in. So that, that puts it different. You know, and then they're, the defense spent all the time, who's in the game? And we're running the same play, but they got to put in different calls for the same play. And now you're doubling down the amount of defense you have to run uh, in a week to prepare for. Is you, the offense any different? I call pretty much the same plays we yeah. call. Maybe the last game. Maybe I'm opening it up a little bit more. I love to run the ball. I mean, you guys, I, mean, I've been, I love running the ball. I love being physical. I'm kind of an old school guy that way. All right. Brian Johnson, on the other hand, who's, you know, a big quarterback, he's like, why would you? It's like RPOs. If they had this RPO game when I was playing, he goes, we would have run for zero yards a game. I would have been like, I, I thought it was a throw read, coach. Every time goes, I would have thrown the ball every single play. So, uh, um, but I think, it, I think, you know, we're probably going a little bit more pass uh, as we continue to grow and see how the, you know, what the shape of this team is because we've got a lot of trust in those wide receivers. Kyle Pretty good today, right? I mean, he was. Yeah, he was. 20 of 28. How much you mentioned trying to get some more series for for Emory. When you when you're trying to get him in the game, is that something where it's pre-planned or do you is there a feel you get a pulse? Well, you know like the, there's certain things that you know we want to get him in for a certain play call. Okay. And then, you know, that play hits, but and then maybe we want to get him in cuz we we want to run a certain play with him mm-hmm. at times. And then He's out there, so play went well. Just keep it going, and sure. we're just going to keep running the offense because it does give a little different twist with him in there. How much, of a, how much of a help this week was Felipe to, question, to Kyle? Guys. Good. I mean, I think he was pretty solid. You have to ask Kyle. You know what I mean? Felipe was around in meetings when he could be. Um, he had some, some medical things, and I know this week's going to be tough for him to be around because he's got surgery on Monday morning. But, uh, you know, I, I think those guys get a I mean, when you look at the quarterback room and the camaraderie in that room, yeah, yeah, he seems I, th- I think there's, a, there's, there's very genuine – you know, there, there's always very genuine Kyle. Kyle always wanted Felipe to do well, and Felipe wants Kyle to do well. That's very genuine of, of the friendship in, in the room. Dan, is, is, Kyle, is Kyle QB1 right now for your team? Is that like, like no, That's I think that's like a TV show on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, they haven't contacted us yet. We're HBO right now. We're HBO this week, not, uh, not Netflix. So uh, we're 24, Kyle's quarterback 247. Well, <laughs> Those were the post-game comments from Dan Mullen. Steve Spurrier and his 1994 team were back in the swamp on Saturday for their reunion celebrating their 1994 SEC championship. And after the head ball coach addressed Florida fans on Steve Spurrier Field, he met with me and a few other reporters to discuss what the moment meant for him and also his thoughts on quarterback Kyle Trask and a number of other items. If if a lot of y'all remember, uh, but that was a heck of a team we had. We averaged over 50 points, six home games. And we played four SEC teams out of those. So it was uh, Danny Warfel and Terry Dean both played throughout the year. And, uh, and, and then the championship game, it was, uh, it was a big win. It was a fun win. I mean, we were – they're all – all championships are good, but that one was a little special. Alabama was 11-0. And when, when I got the job here in 90, remember we used to say we got to beat Georgia? No, no, don't worry about Georgia. Got to beat Tennessee. You always got to beat Alabama, no matter what we say. Got to beat Alabama, just the way life is. It still is. So uh, we were fortunate to uh, beat them. Actually, five of six, five of first six. In fact, uh, I saw Coach Stallings a while back and uh, almost felt sorry for him because they beat everybody but us. They beat everybody but us. He had, uh, I read where he had, he had ten losses in two years and four of them were to the Gators. And all of them involved the championship. Whoever wins it would have been the champ. Been since '66 since the quarterback wore 11. What do you think? Yeah, yep. It's uh, sort of neat watching Kyle out there play, and uh, I've talked to him a few times about it. 
And About the he actually, yeah, he wore number 18 in high school, he told me. He, in both in high school and college, has stayed with the team that he started with. Because you don't see that often then, mm -hmm. these days with a quarterback. No, you don't. <clears throat> uh, Kyle's a little different. He didn't have a glamorous high school career. Uh, I think he came to camp here, and they really liked him and offered him a scholarship. So, uh, but he's a smart kid. He wants to graduate from Florida. He knows the advantages of staying here. If you go somewhere and sit, that would be stupid. All of his family, friends are, are here and so forth. So uh, that was a smart thing to do. And that, now he's got his chance to play. Coach, a lot of memorable plays from that 94 championship game. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the double pass double and pass. how you guys pulled that off? Yeah, we emptied the playbook on that last drive. <laughs> uh, in fact, Crescer went in and hit uh, – I hear you down the sideline on a play for 25 yards. And then uh, Fred Taylor made a super fourth and one. He, he went in midair. And Gene, I think he did a move in midair. You know, he dive over on fourth and one. Linebacker was coming right at him. Somehow he shook and fell forward. And we got the first down on that last drive also. But, uh, and then uh, right after that, I think we threw the double pass, Doring to Aubrey, down to the two yard line. I sent in a run play. Danny checked to the slant to Doring. Wow. Which, uh, which was a good play. Did you have confidence in Doring making that throw? Do oh, he did. oh yeah, call? he could throw. Yeah. Do you remember the play call, what it was called? B left, slide left, nine, double pass. Trash does a Danny-like pass a little bit. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Very catchable. Very catchable. And, uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's a good player. He's about 6'4", 6'3", 4'. So he's a good tall kid. These championship tours give you any itch to get back itch. to it? Itch? Yeah. Well, I, I got in the alliance, you know. <laughs> Something like that would probably be more my style if it if it came up again. Coach about, you know, four months a year, four or five, something like that. Do you expect to feel the call from the XFL? Uh, I actually talked to uh, Oliver Luck a little bit, and we'll get back together. And, and uh, I said, well, I need a year off, you know what? <laughs> Coach eight games with the Apollos. I need a year off or something. But you'd hear them out if, if they were interested, XFL. Mm -hmm. Oh, I may. I don't know. Just, you know, depending on how you feel at that time. Sure. But, uh, but pro football, at least, well, I guess they work year-round, don't they? Those guys. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I watch some of those teams. and uh, In fact, I made a statement. I don't know if I should have, but I think our Apollos could beat the Jets <laughs> and the Dolphins. Do you watch <laughs> those guys play, let's see? Uh, Here's a question for I mean, the Dolphins worse than the 76 bucks. Well, <laughs> the 76 bucks acted like they were trying anyway, huh? That's half of it. Yeah. Uh. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, I brought you my post-game interview with Jeff Cardozo and reviewed our five keys to the game. In the second segment, we graded the Gators and played some comments from Dan Mullen. And in the final segment, we played our interview with Steve Spurrier discussing the 94 SEC Championship team and much more. On tomorrow's show, we'll continue to break down this Florida win over Tennessee, bring you some more post-game interviews, as well as what Mullen had to say on Monday. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.